So does your career energize you with life or does it drain you? Recent Gallup polls show that a whopping 70% of us feel disengaged in the workplace. There's just gotta be a better way. Welcome to our authentic careers where it is my job to uncover the ideas and strategies that can help you become better aligned with your career. I'm your host, Gert Sabar, and I interview people like you and me about the twists and turns in their career paths so that we can all achieve greater clarity, meaning, and fulfillment in ours. And on today's podcast, I give you a conversation I had recently with Jennifer Dom Peterson, a language strategist at Maslansky and Partners. Listening to Jen, I was struck by two particular aspects of her career that I think are worth pondering. The first as you'll soon hear, was a, um, was a particular moment in time right after graduating college when Jen was able to effectively put an end to years of confusion and uncertainty, uh, which we've all had in our careers. Those stretches of time when we always seem to have more questions than answers. And the way she undid that confusion was by simply focusing and taking action in one specific direction uh, without perfectly knowing where that direction would lead. Listen for that one Google search she conducted, which effectively ended up taking her from that point of confusion to her role now as a well-respected vice president on Maslansky's leadership team in just eight short years. And secondly, Jen made what struck me as a very astute observation about our core talents, and that is that they must be developed, uh, worked through, and nurtured, just like athletes do with theirs. That might be a no-brainer to most of you, but something about the way she said it reminded me just how important it is that we not only spend time uncovering our core expressions and talents, but that we then also must spend a good bit of time flexing those muscles so that they can become stronger and stronger and stronger. Okay, uh, enough of me, and I'll present you Jen Dom Peterson. Um, all right, well, awesome, Jen. Thank you, first of all, for, uh, for agreeing to do this, sharing, sharing your journey. Cool. All right, so let's get started. So our, here's question number one. Are you today where you thought you would be when you were younger? Mm, very meta. Um, I think when I was younger, I probably had a very idealistic view of success. I probably pictured myself at 30 years of age with three kids as a high-powered executive in an all-glass windowed office. Uh, juggling all balls perfectly. Right. Uh, and I have thus far not uh, achieved the children or the glass office or the executive status. I think um, what I found was that work life is not so idealistic and it's really challenging and you have to learn a lot before you get to that level um, and that it's really hard to, to juggle all the balls. So I yep. don't think that I am where I thought or I pictured myself, but I think I am at a place that I'm happy with and that I'm satisfied with and that I'm fulfilled with uh, as a 30-year-old as opposed to when I was younger or growing up. So did you, um, when did you have this notion of wanting to be this high-powered exec with three kids in this office? Like, how, um, how far think, back can you remember that? Oh, probably in high school. That was, you know, something that I, I pictured in, in my mind. And before high school, when you were younger, even, what did you have any ideas of things you wanted to be when you grew up? 
Yeah, we have this video at home of my kindergarten graduation, and I say I want to be a nurse like my Aunt Karen. Yep. Which I think is just, you know, my mom didn't work growing up, and I'm not sure that I understood completely what my dad did, but, like, nurse was something that, like, you got it. Like, you knew people who were nurses. You had interacted with nurses. Like, I understand what they do. So that's what I want to be. Yeah, got it. And how this idea of being a nurse, how long can you remember wanting, or at least to what age do you remember wanting to be a nurse or this concept of a nurse? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Probably about a year or two until it changed to the next thing. Okay. Not very long. So uh, explain what it is. What do you, what is it that you do today? So today I work for a firm called Meslansky and Partners. And what we do is something called language strategy. So we help companies that make, make their products or their ideas or their actions matter to their audience by using the right language. Um, our philosophy is it's not what you say that matters, it's what your audience hears. And so I get really close to their audiences and talk to them and hear um, their hopes, their dreams, their fears, their emotions, their experiences, and what they bring to the table and help companies connect with them according to that. Yeah. So, Jen, what, what attracted you to this particular type of job or this particular type of career? Right. Well, you know, what I wanted to do was a version of this, um, although I didn't quite at the time realize it. I graduated from college and I had this super fluffy English degree that I was told wasn't worth much and I was kind of freaking out like oh my gosh I don't know what I'm going to do with my life and so I tried to think you know what is my ideal job what is my end goal and I thought you know it would be really cool if I could be a speechwriter for the president or for you know a politician or someone really important yep. and and I you know, one day when I grow up, I still might be that. But um, I thought, you know, how do you get there? You don't just graduate from college and get plucked out and start writing speeches for the president. And so I, I went online and I started Googling. And I found this guy called uh, Frank Luntz. I said, who's the best at this? Who can I learn from? And he's this political pollster, pundit, public opinion, messaging, framing, language strategy extraordinary is very well known for orchestrating the contract with America. And I was like, wow, now that sounds really interesting. That's him. Yep. And I applied to work for him. And, um, I, and that was the start of my journey. I was the, his summer intern. So right after college, you graduate with this degree, you come up with this idea of being the president's speechwriter, you take this, you take this, mm-hmm. these, these steps to, um, to get you to Frank Luntz. Um, what, what is it about this idea of speechwriting for the president that you think um, captivated you? What um, chord did it strike in you, do you think? Yeah, so I don't think it's anything um, much about... <laughs> the president or a politician or politics like that. Uh, but I think it's really about like people like Americans and not the kind that kind of live in DC or LA or New York city, but like finding out what people, what makes people tick, 
you know, what what are their emotions? What are their pre-existing perceptions? What are their hopes and dreams? And, and listening to them and really understanding where they're coming from and what perspectives they bring to the table and how we can help, you know, companies or politicians or whoever it is, like, give them the products that they want, speak to them in a way that they understand, have a conversation with them, lead them. Yep. Um, so I think it's the people that actually is kind of what I'm passionate about and learning about them. Yep. Got it. Jen, let's, um, if you don't mind, I want to step back for a second more and go back to Jen in childhood. You had this moment <laughs> of time where you liked this idea of nursing. Were there other um, concepts or ideas of things you wanted to be when you grew up um, or things that you saw that sparked your interest when you were younger? Um, sure. So I was one of these people who like have n kind of no direction and particularly even in college and throughout high school, like I, I didn't know what I wanted to be. Nobody really told me like, here are the things you should be thinking about to really tap into what you're good at or what you're passionate about. So I kind of threw myself at different directions with little, um, concrete thought as to why I was doing it. So there was a time and I wanted to be a special ed teacher, and I threw a lot of money and college credits at that. Um, there were times when I wanted to be a, a, a history teacher, yeah. and I threw credits at that. There were times when I wanted to be a lawyer, and I threw money and credits at that. Yeah. Um, so absolutely. Um, so it sounds like uh, you're trying to you were trying a bunch of different things. So not necessarily there wasn't necessarily kind of this one thing that you were trying to um, to pursue this whole time. No, that's correct. Okay, it was not one thing. It was it was trial and error. Yeah, what um, if I can ask, what what do your parents do? My parents. My mom was a uh, teacher, and then she become became a stay at home mom. And my dad is also an educator. He was the assistant superintendent of the high school district that I went to. Got it. And what um, what kind of influence would you say they have had over your career um, path and your kind of decision-making process along the way? Mm, that's really interesting. Um, so I grew up in rather rural southern Illinois. Yep. Um, and people do a certain number of things there. You know, they're teachers. They work at the hospital. They are um, administrative assistants. Um, there are things like that that are really kind of common professions. Uh, and nobody really said, like, there is this whole world of stuff that you experience on a day-to-day -day basis, but there are people behind these ideas and these ads and these yep. things that you see and read Um that, you know, you might be interested in. There just wasn't like that. There wasn't any type of like opening the realm of possibility of things that you could, could become uh, because they had really traditional career paths and they had experiences such that, you know, they had one job their entire lives. Yep. And I kind of felt the same about college. It, it, I think college kind of failed in that respect as well in terms of, giving people a broader view of what was available and what they could be outside of the things that, you know, are traditional roles or that they, they see or that they already know about. Yep. 
was there anything else that your parents, you know, when you're making your decisions one way or the other, um, and you're saying, maybe I'll try this or maybe I'll try that. What, what are your parents saying to you? How are they, how are they engaging with you on these kinds of ideas? Um, well, my parents, you know, my parents wanted me to be a teacher deep down because yep. they, because they thought that I'd be good at it because they thought I'd be good at anything because I'm their daughter and they right. have to think that. Um, but also because they, they knew from experience that it was, you know, a, a career that would offer growth and that it would always be there. Um, and that was stable and that they knew about, frankly, and felt comfortable with. Yep. But when I decided that that wasn't the right way for me to go, they also um, supported both through this time and throughout my life with this kind of sense that if I wanted to do something that I could, um, probably because I always had them to fall back on. Um, And so that was always very helpful for me. I've always had this sense that like, well, if I want to try something, I'll just do it. Like if I want to go visit someplace, I'll do it. If I want to go live somewhere different, I'm just going to go do it. If I want to you know, take this opportunity at work, well, I'm just going to ask for it. And I think that stems from having folks who always say, you know, um, you kind of give, gave me the confidence to try things out and know that I had something to fall back on. That makes a lot of sense. Um, at what point in your career so far did you know that this uh, is what I'm meant to be doing? And has that even happened? <laughs> Uh, no, that hasn't happened. I don't think that, I think this is what I'm meant to be doing now. And I'm very happy and I'm very passionate about it. But I think at the root of this is kind of an understanding. Uh, at the root of what I do now is an understanding of, of how people tick and how people um, understand language and visuals and how they interpret messages and yep. how they... Uh, bring their experiences to bear on what they're seeing with the outside world and interacting with ideas. And I think that has a lot of application outside of what I'm doing today, which is language strategy. And I think that when this stops energizing me and when I stop being like, oh, this is so cool, I don't know what I'm doing next, I don't know how we're going to figure out this next challenge, then I will move on and find something else that uses that talent, Yep. Um, but potentially in a way that's different from what I'm doing right now. Makes a lot of sense. So where, where does that talent come from? Where does that talent for, um, for understanding people, their psychology, what makes them tick, that interest, where, where, does that, where do you think that all stems from? Well, I think the interest comes from me, but I think the, the talent is something that it, it's not natural. Like, it's not, you have to develop it. It comes from the fact that I've been doing this for a long time, and I had the many. Um, I've had the privilege to be able to. Part of my job is going the world and conducting, you know, focus groups where I'm in the room with 20 people in Cincinnati one night and 20 people in New Mexico the next night, and listening to them and yeah. listening to their experiences. And, and after a while, you start to develop a sense um, for what they think and what they feel and how they'll react to things. But it didn't come easily. It comes through practice, and it comes through hard work, and it comes through time. Yep. Let's go back. So we've identified this kind of talent of yours that you've now developed over the years and that you're probably going to lean on quite strongly as you move forward, wherever it is you end up going. 
Relatedly, mm -hmm. do you ever think about this idea of purpose or mission? You know, why am I here? Yeah. Um, I think about it, but it's it's so big. Like, I think about it, um, yep. and it scares me, right? Like, okay. yep. is this my purpose? Like, I, I'm passionate. I'm having fun. I have a career that I'm in a life that I think is fulfilling for me. Yep. Um, but is it my purpose? I, I don't know. I kind of hope not. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but it's like TBD. It's like a thing that kind of looms over me, and I'm not, I'm not sure I have my head around that one yet. Let me um, press you just a little bit there for a second. You said you kind of hope not. What you, when you say you kind of hope not, why, why is that? What is it about this thing that makes you say that? About uh, this thing being like my career and where I am now and what I'm doing. And... Well, um, I guess, or, or what, what, I guess let's start with what made you say I kind of hope not. What is it? What is, what was the trigger in your head that said, ah, no, I don't want this to be my purpose and passion. What were you referring to? Um, I think I was just referring to, so I deal in a particular industry of, you know, I do language strategy. I help people figure out the right words to use to make their uh, cause matter. Yep. Uh, and, and sometimes that feels a little empty, like, oh, no. is, is it just words? You know, we, sometimes you want to inspire action. You want to really do something. So I think that's what. Is that the root of my answer? Got it. Um, so perhaps less about, perhaps if, um, tell me if I'm translating this correctly, perhaps it's less about um, that talent you have and more potentially about where and how that talent is getting applied? Yes, I think that's a breaker. Okay. Um, on, um, I'm going to jump around here for a second. On a, on a scale of um, zero to 10, where zero let's say, is a total non-issue, and 10 is a big, dark, gloomy shadow, how large a shadow would you say that financial considerations have had over your career path to date? Three or four. Okay. And can you, um, can you elaborate a little bit? Yeah, I think I can um, for two reasons. One is that I am not particularly motivated by money. Um, I get a lot more. I get a lot more um, satisfaction from kind of credit for doing great work, from being doing what I want and determining what I do and having flexibility in my life than I do for money. Yep. Although it is, you know, I, I want to be properly rewarded. And the second is that I have um, bosses that I think recognize my contributions and have been fair with me. Yep. Yep, so you've always felt justly compensated. Yeah, I mean, there have been times when I've felt the sting of, like, maybe not quite, but I've been able to, to work it out with them. Yep. What? Uh, you went to college. Where'd you go to college? University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana. Okay. And what, um, what was your decision-making process? I'm just stepping back again for a second. What was your decision-making mm -hmm. process to go there? and to end up with um, as an English major. Right. Um, so again, this is one place where I wish I had been pushed a little bit to look outside what was kind of in front of me, like what was in, it, outside what everyone else around me was yep. doing, outside what was kind of standard for my brothers and the other people in my high school class, because I looked at a very 
standard set of midrash schools, and I chose among them. Uh, and I chose mainly based on highly superficial issues, such as, like, you know, I went on a, a visit to the University of Missouri, and I was like, I don't know, all these guys are, like, wearing pea coats. I don't <laughs> think this is for me. Right. I was like, this is totally out. Um, <laughs> and so I, I kind of just superficially like landed at the University of Illinois. It ended up being a blessing. I loved it there. I didn't want to leave when yeah. I had to go. But um, but it, I can't say that it was a thoughtful, determined uh, decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 um, and once you're there, was there a particular reason why you ended up in English and not something else? You know, I, I liked I liked those classes. Like I liked reading, I liked reading and discussing literature, and that was really it. And I thought, you know, this is something. I don't know whether I want to be a teacher, but if I decide I do, then I can be an English teacher. And if I don't, you know, I can parlay it into law school, or I can parlay it into a, a career that's perhaps a bit more creative. I I thought that it wouldn't pin me down too much. Yep. Jen, um, think, I want to think about um, your friends, family, colleagues over the years. What kind of counsel have people consistently come up to you for? Yeah. So I think people particularly within my current work come to me for uh, ad- advice on how to like move up within our organization. I've been yep. very successful at kind of having a, a steady rise. Um, I think they also come to me. I'm the only woman vice president um, yep. on our uh, senior leadership team. So I think they also come to me, you know, if they're having an issue that they think is particularly relevant to women. Yep. What about um, friends and family? Again, thinking back through the years outside of the workplace, is there anything in particular that they've come up to you for? Mm-hmm. So now my friends come up to me for anything that has to do with language, communication, marketing, based on my professional success. I think I also have a really good network of um, girlfriends that are are pretty good about actively soliciting each other's advice on career and and being a boss woman. So um, I wouldn't say that they, they solicit me, but we solicit each other. Yep. And being the only VP, uh, woman VP at the firm, how do you feel about that? And how do you how do you how do you advise folks from that particular angle? Yeah, I feel bad about it. I think it's something um, that needs to change. I also feel that it's a reflection of what it is in the workplace elsewhere. As you get to the upper ranks, you start to see the. Uh, number of women thin out. Now, this isn't everywhere. This isn't every company. This isn't every industry, but in a lot of industries. So I think it's a sad reflection, and how I feel about it is how, you know, others at my bosses feel about it, too, which is, you know, we're really looking to to hire and promote women into those ranks, but I also feel it's my obligation to help the women who are in our company rise to those ranks, because I think there are certain differences between how men and women think about themselves and their career that we can sometimes hold, hold ourselves back. Uh, agreed. Is there, um, I'm going to jump around again for a second. Going back to this idea of who you are at, the, at your core and, and purpose and mission, um, if you were to say to yourself, 
I'm a person at my core or I'm, I'm a person who authentically at my core needs to do X. Any ideas what that X might be? You know, is mm-hmm. there is there something that you need to be doing or a way that you need to be expressing yourself like equivalent to us needing to breathe, uh, breathe air for life? Yeah, I think I need to be engaged in many challenges yep. at once. Yep. If I have just one thing to think about, um, I, I end up. I end up thinking worse about, you know, I end up, I end up thinking myself in circles, overthinking it. Yep. I like to be engaged in a variety of different, not even tasks, you know, tasks is too small, like challenges and big ideas at yep. once. And when I am not, when the less I have on my plate, the less effective I am. That's interesting. Um, are there any career decisions that you've made along the way that looking back today you would choose to undo or somehow redo? There are not uh, decisions, but there are moments uh, that I would choose to do differently or to redo um, interactions, times when I thought I deserved something that I didn't stand up and ask for it, times that I wanted something that I didn't ask for it. Um, and, you know, I have a lot of less than, like, regrets about what I've done. Um, I have anxiety about, you know, what I will do. Am I keeping up in my industry enough with digital advances and how that's, um, you know, how that's changing everything? Am I, in, in five years, am I going to be, like, still a, a hot thing on the market. Am I going to be able to keep up all that? Um, right. So I have more current anxiety than like past glancing anxiety. Yeah. And this idea of uh, the one you mentioned from the past, though, the this idea of asking, would you say that's something that you've improved on over the years? Yes. Well, what's, what's the trick to that? Or what, what's, what's been the trick to kind of getting over whatever hurdle that was? Mm-hmm. I think the the trick to getting over the hurdle is to trying it a few times and realizing that it works. Yep. So whether it's with my bosses, whether it's with um, people I manage, whether it's with clients, you just realize that most of the time when you ask, you get it. Yep. Right. And if you don't ask, you're right where you are, where you began, you know, where you began the conversation with. So, you know, there's. The worst people can say is no. Yep. And you don't really lose anything. I like that rule of thumb. Most of the time when you ask, you get it. Yeah. Um, I dig it. What, it's um, also like, yeah, go ahead. it's empowering, right? If you don't ask, you're, you're, uh, yep. you're, someone else is controlling your face. That's right. They're deciding for you. That's right. What would you say has been um, the biggest highlight of your career so far? Yeah, you know, I don't... I have a career that I'm proud of and I think that I do good work and clients look to me, but I don't have a highlight yet. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm aspiring to a highlight. What, uh, any, any big, any, um, I think the answer to this is no, but I'm going to double check it. Any, any big aggravations from your journey along the way so far? Big aggravations. Um, I mean, of course, like, I mean, the journey is a is a long one, and it's bumpy. Like I think people like to think of uh, 
success and pursuing your passion as like a straight line up and like a diagonal line, but really it's very curvy. Like you have times where you fail or you mess up or your boss is mad at you or you drop balls or you're just totally a frazzle mess um, trying to keep everything together. Um, And that's frustrating in the moment, but it's important to recognize in the bigger picture um, the destination from point A to point B is in a straight line. Uh, great advice. Um, so I'm going to close off one one last question for you here. Knowing what you know today uh, about where you are, how would you advise your your younger self? Yeah, good question. I would advise my younger self to believe in myself more. I think I spent a lot of time kind of doubting, like, oh, I'm not smart enough to be here. I had a little bit of imposter syndrome. Yep. Um, you know, I'm not good enough to speak up at this meeting. Who am I? I, I wouldn't waste any time on that. Um, I'd believe in myself. I would tell myself to um, keep working hard, <laughs> yep. that uh, it does pay off. I would tell myself to not be afraid to say I don't know or I messed up, and I would tell myself to always um, take every opportunity you can to give credit and thanks to the people who give you opportunities and make your success possible. Those are awesome. Love it. Um, actually, one last question before we go. How, how do you feel about your um, work-life balance today, and, if you, um, and, and where, where do you want to see that go? You know, I feel like for the first time in ever since I almost started working that I'm starting to get the hang of this work-life balance. Um, there, you know, particularly when I worked from home for two years and I felt that no one could see me physically working, so I had to work twice as hard and produce twice as much, and I was just running myself into the ground, and it was isolating and terrible. It was a terrible way to deal with that situation in retrospect. Um, but today I'm starting to recognize that, like, you know, you're better when you're uh, rested and when you're doing what you need to at home and when you're, you know, having a bit of fun and when you're getting to see the people that you love and that, you know, I've worked really hard and I've, I've not only am I better for the company when I do that, but, um, uh, but I deserve it. That's awesome. Really, really good. Jen Dom Peterson, thank you. Really All right, thank you amazing to hear your um your journey and thank you thank you for um for sharing it. I really appreciate it. All right, thanks, Gur. Thank you for tuning into this episode of our authentic careers with me, your host. Gert Sabar. If you like what you just heard, I hope you'll let your family, friends, and colleagues know all about this little podcast. And since it's early days here at the OAC, your rating of the show on iTunes would also be hugely appreciated. If you think you or someone you know would be a good guest, please, 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 please don't hesitate to reach out at ourauthenticcareers.com.